0: hello hi david Hi uh Todd I'm glad that you could make it on uh my podcast really excited to talk to you uh absolutely you're uh kind of famous probably <laughs> the um one of the most uh important people i've talked to uh on my podcast Usually it's like been college students and uh and semi-professional or professionals, you know, yep. but uh, I'm really excited about the, the work you did with self-driving cars. I've been uh, reading it and following your, uh, some of your articles that you wrote and I uh, watched uh, uh, YouTube about the car that drove from coast to coast. And uh, just wondering if you want to talk about uh, that project and maybe also what you're seeing with FSD with the uh I think a level three semi-autonomous driving cars.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy to, to just talk about that or if there's specific things, happy to answer anything you have. So just let me know when I should start. Uh, go ahead and start. Awesome. Um, so the project where we drove across the country um, was called no hands across America. And it was you know, a little bit of a last minute kind of deal. Um, You know, I believe we left on July 25th uh, and we sort of had got the idea, you know, really early that summer when we saw how well um, the technology, the the steering part of it was working. And we were sort of limited by what we could do locally in terms of, you know, there's only so many roads, so many road types you'd see. Uh, And we, you know, just Dean Pomelo and I got the idea. Well, let's let's see if we can drive, you know, across the country and see how well this system will do. So we we actually did it in two parts. We did the Washington D.C. to Pittsburgh part first, about uh, a couple weeks earlier, and then on July 25th we took off for uh, San Diego, more or less following I-70 across the country. Um, We drive between probably 300 and five or 600 miles a day, uh, stopping at you know the major towns along. Um, along the route, uh, the really interesting thing was that you know rarely, rarely does an experiment like that with that little planning you know gain or give you you know really valuable results, and, and it turns out it really did. Um, you know we saw just on Interstate 70, you know it went from you know typical highways to newly paved with hardly any markings. Uh, you know, we had day and night, we had rain, uh, even in Utah, the road, the interstate was literally like hard packed rocks because they were rebuilding it. Uh, so we, you know, we're able to try our system out on many, many, many different types of roads and, and use that information to make it better. Um, I guess yeah, this
0: was, this was pre GPS. I, I read that, uh, um, you had gps but that was something uh uh, wasn't actually used for the navigation
1: yeah that's correct we had gps we used it for vehicle speed only and kind of even if we would have had good gps there weren't any really good maps digital maps so um yeah this all happened sort of before you know gps in your phone kind of stuff even happened
0: I think that's what makes this really uh, interesting, and it was using, it was using a uh, lidar, and you had your own software, so you had a, a software interface that looked uh, kind of like uh, uh, blueberry, I would say, or blackberry, sorry, blackberry, and uh, and then you also had a, a, it looked like neural net. Image recognition, was it a neural net or was it more just a line detection algorithm?
1: So, for the trip across the country, it was all for for that specific trip. We only used a camera uh, that fed into kind of a next generation, I'll call it just pattern matching system. Uh, Dean had developed a neural network system called Alvin previously. Um, What he found was that, you know, it worked very, very well. But for for realistic situations, you know, even though it only took a minute or two to train, well, you can't just stop driving for a minute or two when you go to a different road type. So he kind of refactored things, uh, used the lessons he learned from the neural network, built in, you know, kind of generic feature detectors into a system called Ralph, and that's what we used to drive across the country. Um, two years later, that. That vision system to control the steering wheel was supplemented by LIDAR and radar-based obstacle detection for adaptive cruise control. Uh, It would monitor your blind spots and monitor what's behind you. And then that complete system, uh, we demonstrated to, I don't know, something like 2,000 people out in San Diego for a big uh, U.S. DOT uh, demonstration.
0: Wow. And how was it received?
1: Uh, well, it's funny um certainly the trip across Costa country was received very well, and people were astounded by it uh then you know two years later, when we did the big demonstration of which was really um you know full autonomy in a in a closed system, it was almost received too well because a year and a half later, the government said you know this is this is so far along we're not we don't need to fund research anymore the the industry can take it over and they canceled the program uh so, okay,
0: <laughs> you know, that would kind of work to the negative then. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, for the research,
1: for research, it did, uh, you know, for Dean and I, we kind of it was wasn't the worst thing in the world for us. We went ahead and left CMU and started a couple companies. But, you know, we're very proud of how that worked out and how well it how well it performed. And, you know, now, you know, 25 years later, um, you're starting to see similar stuff out on the highways.
0: We talk a little bit about the road algorithm. I, I was, uh, I've seen some uh, uh, research where they they did uh, like stereographic or uh, stereo. Yeah, I can't remember the terminology if I'm saying it right. But it had two cameras, and from the two cameras, it's able to detect depth uh, from pixels. Uh, so you're using the 2D imaging, and it was calculating depth. But from what I understood from the algorithm that was originally designed, because you're running on very uh, small hardware compared to today, uh, it was doing something like detecting uh, two lines. And then from those two lines, it knew whether you were on a road surface or a non-road surface.
1: Yeah, uh, so I mean, the nut
0: it's pretty amazing, because it's just such a simple algorithm, but yet it was so effective.
1: Yeah, so I think the the you know the secret sauce was there, there's some assumptions built in. Uh, we only used a single camera. We assumed a generally flat Earth in front of the vehicle to maybe 50, 60, 70 meters. Um, system did use you know horizontal bands and looked in those bands to find features that were prominent in the environment, with, meaning the road. And then the secret sauce was basically how quickly it could adapt to using new fi- new features, how it could modify old features and turn it into new features as the road conditions would change. Um, and that's the kind of thing that really made you know the the cross country trip with very little need to retrain possible.
0: How did you uh, how did it detect like things like? Uh the road uh, markers or was it even looking at road markers because they had it, you know, how did you keep it from, how did the machine know to stay on the right side versus going the left side because both are a flat surface on the horizon. Yeah, so there,
1: there's, there's some kind of just domain knowledge built into this where, you know, it didn't have the capability to change lanes. All Only thing it knew was find the linear features that are going in the direction of travel that are in the camera and keep yourself centered within them and you know when the, the day would start we would drive it on the interstate we'd hit a button and that would center the system and it would basically try and maintain that position so it was you know it was very sophisticated as a lane follower but it wasn't necessarily uh at that point of you know full self-driving system that could change lanes or swerve or things like that yeah that's
0: interesting I, um, i, I... I know that uh, you know when the uh, Tesla was first starting to drive, it, it preferred in some areas it preferred the the outer portion of the lane, and for some reason, and when it came to areas where there were no lane markings, sometimes it it preferred the center of the road. Yeah, uh,
1: than what
0: I could see on the YouTube's.
1: Yeah, I, I have a Tesla actually, and and I've noticed at least on the no lane markings or very wide lane situation, it definitely prefers the middle.
0: Hmm. Now, you said that it did some primitive uh, object detection. Was it capable of detecting like if a car was going to pull out in front of you or a car was stopping? Did it do any of the uh, obstacle awareness type of,
1: So the 2000, or I'm sorry, the 1995 No Hands Across America system, it didn't do any real obstacle detection. Um, It could detect anomalies in the image. um, Things that didn't look like typical roads looked, and it assumed those were cars. Um, Now, it didn't didn't stop for them. It didn't, you know, swerve around them. It didn't do any of that stuff, but it could detect them. The 1997 system... Where we had added the, the laser systems and the radars around the vehicle, it could do all of those things to you know one level or the other.
0: You know, it's interesting. Uh, I um, must said that he felt that uh, lidar didn't actually capture enough information that that the two D imaging uh, had far more information that it could the neural net could process and so he felt like well the, the lidar was the wrong way to go and what what's your opinion on that what is lidar
1: necessary um, so i think it's a little bit nuanced in that i don't think anyone ever believes you don't need cameras and i don't think anyone ever believes you don't need radar um if you're going to have full self-driving i mean the simplest example you see every day is fog, right? You know. Okay. And so, two things with fog: obviously, cameras don't see through it well, just like our eyes don't. And then, second, uh, unless you have very, you know, specialized laser systems that are in the, you know, that can penetrate water, which isn't easy. Uh, you need another system that can give you the ability to see far and up ahead at highway speeds to slow down, and radar is about your only answer. So, you're going to have radar for long range that can see through everything. You know, from you know maybe a cost perspective, if you can get by with. Is there, is there any uh,
0: weird, weird things to? Uh, is there any weird things to radar like uh, certain metals could cause a uh, reflections back to the machine where it? it it's kind of uh, quirky
1: yeah, I think I mean there's, there's all of these idiosyncrasies. There's there's definitely the If you it's not so much if it's metal, but if it's You know plastic bumpers on cars may not be great reflectors And depending on what the other other parts of the car look like uh, You know in, in Pennsylvania There's a lot of plastic construction barrels. that will tell you telling you where to drive radar generally doesn't see those Um you know, the biggest drawback of radar, though, in, in my opinion, is the angular resolution isn't very good. Um, you know, it's a beam, right? It's a, it's a, it has lobes and you sort of just, you know, kind of know where the center of mass is of whatever it is you're uh, imaging. Where with the laser system, you know, it's a very small beam, you know exactly where it is and that can help. Uh, and, and same with cameras. You know exactly to a pixel level where everything is. You just don't know depth. Um,
0: you know, when I look at neural nets and I'm, I haven't to build a self-driving car, but uh, my nephew has built a self-driving car. And when I look at neural nets, um, I think of them as devices or, or algorithms that um, can kind of look into the future. So when you look at the uh, problem of trajectory, for example, you're, you're trying to find a path through a spline. Yep. Um, you have to have some points into the future that you're guessing uh, for paths. How did you guys solve the problem for trajectory? Did you just look at the past and then say, well, based on the past, we think this is where we're gonna go. Or did you use the neural net to kind of predict uh positions in that and maybe x and y into uh future space um
1: so in the in the well not only the neural net system but in, in more or less all of the the systems that took into account you know where are that were designed to control the steering wheel it was there was very very little look ahead in time whatsoever uh we basically relied on you know processing it at a, at a some speed greater than 10 hertz or so to continually recalculate where to steer and the built-in assumption was anything higher level than that you know take an exit ramp or if there's a you know a very complex road geometry coming up that some higher level system which kind of wasn't really created Fully would take care of that. So all of our systems were very reactive. They took an image in, they computed a steering uh, a steering command out, and whether it was the neural network or a, you know a more algorithmic you know feature based solution. Um, similarly, for obstacle detection, um, there was more or less a canned set of actions if you detected an obstacle, which were things like stop, you know, stop the vehicle or swerve left or swerve right. Uh, some distance defined by how wide the obstacle was. Um, you know, there wasn't really any re- reasoning or higher level thinking or whatever you want to call it on, you know, macroscopically, what should the vehicle do?
0: Yeah, when you were talking, it actually kind of reminded me of uh, a simple arcade game where you have multiple lanes and you're figuring out, can I go in this lane? Can I go in that lane? Can I go right? If you can't go right or can't go left, then you have to slow down. Yeah. So it seems like you could follow just some simple uh, algorithms for determining uh, safe to proceed into a lane, but you said that it doesn't do lane lane. uh, Yeah, the the trip and lane But it would do like an obstacle avoidance, like if a a car pulled out in front of you, it would try maybe to veer to the left or right. Yeah, so
1: the the 1995 system that we drove across the country more or less didn't do any of that. It just stayed in its lane. The system, as we deployed it in 97, two years later, that system did have the ability to change lanes, to swerve for obstacles, all that kind of stuff. But those were not... those weren't like intelligent actions based on the environment, those were pre-programmed sort of um, commands, besides the obstacle detection, the the lane changing and exit ramp detection was pre-programmed commands that said, okay, when we get here, we need to change lanes or okay, when we get here, we need to start looking for the exit ramp and take the exit. Um, So we were always very specifically telling the system what to do.
0: Seemed like it worked pretty good, Um, and uh, you know it it solved a lot of problems. And that it's kind of like the uh, simple programs that solve complex problems are amazing. Um, And you know it's it's like you know we we build machines that have lots of computational power, sophisticated algorithms. But when you look at um, things that are done in the past, they a lot of times are using simple algorithms, simple logic, but are capable of doing complex things relative to the tasks that they've been doing.
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. We we didn't have a choice, right? We had to figure out ways to do it um, with the computing we had. Uh, And, you know, I was all of the advocate of we need better software. All of these sensors that we had, even 25 years ago, had superhuman capabilities. You know, radar can see at night. It can see through clouds. Even back then, the um, camera systems had resolution comparable to the human eye. So we really focused on how do you develop smart algorithms, you know, not just the latest and greatest research, but how do you develop smart algorithms that incorporate domain knowledge to make the best possible system?
0: Yeah, I think that you accomplished that. It was um, it, it, it was really quite amazing. Can you tell what happened from that research in '97? Did it uh, um, was there any link? Did Tesla? You know, was there Waymo? You have Tesla. You have Uber. There's a lot of big companies now that are very interested uh, in economies that. Uh, uh can utilize they could utilize self-driving car. You got uh self-driving taxis, you, you could even have a self-driving semi, uh, and then combining it with some of the robotics technology yeah. and so forth, um have you, you get that level three.
1: So conference. it's sort of interesting in that, you know, and, and this is not, you know, this is sort of a global statement. I haven't gone to specific detail of every company out there, but my sense is that the students at Carnegie Mellon and at Berkeley and everywhere else that participated in that, it wasn't so much the people that did the work in 97 themselves, but it was the people that were that were at those institutions in the next, say, five, seven, 10 years that were able to see what had been accomplished sort of, you know, expanded enough a little bit. And those are the people now at these companies that are doing the research, uh, at least here in Pittsburgh, that's almost exactly what it is. Um, and I know that, you know, the the group that did that was at CMU that ended up going to Stanford and Google with Waymo, Ermson uh, and those guys, they were all CMU people that were here, you know, in the decade after we did all that work. So it's sort of this diaspora model, right? Or dysphoria, I, I forgot the right, what the word is, but how, the seeds of that, of those demonstrations and that technology that we developed have sort of seeded many, many, many companies. And those folks have done a great job moving the technology forward towards commercialization.
0: Did, did it, did it uh, inspire? I, I see what you're saying. It inspired. The yes, idea that exactly right. Done. Uh, did, did it inspire the, uh, uh, urban challenge were not urban challenge uh, when they went across the yeah uh, i
1: think so i mean i think and uh, you know literally thinking back you know i remember hearing about or being part of discussions with darpa and the folks at cmu saying hey you guys did this trip across the country in 95 what can we do now to keep the momentum going um and you know i think it opened the door to thinking you know, grand about how well this stuff can work, we just have to try.
0: Yeah, you mentioned that, um, uh, in, and it could detect uh, different road types and learn from it. And I think in the DARPA challenge, um, there were some of the uh, cars that were unable to learn. So what uh, well, one case that ran off the road, and the reason it ran off the road is because it uh, thought that there was an object in front of it because the horizon lines uh, uh, didn't account for some of the uh, shape of the 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 ground and so it thought that there was an obstacle in front of it so it was trying to avoid the obstacle and that's why it ran off the road whereas your algorithm it seems really cool it kind of learned about the road and said that's a flat surface even though it's kind of you know, got some uh, dips and so forth in the road, it still said it's relatively flat, it's safe to proceed, uh, and it can continue whether it's on gravel, asphalt, because you're going to have all kinds of different roads. You're going to have concrete. uh, You may have, you know, a muddy road. You might have a road that has uh, water on it, you know, and so uh, it has to be able to uh, know that those types of roads exist. No,
1: I mean, I think in general, you, the point you're getting at were the, the, the things we did to detect the road were specific to detecting the road. And it did a really, really good job at, at doing that. And the assumption we made and what we, how we you know put the system together was there would be other things, there would be other modalities, other technologies, other software and hardware that would handle the rest of the things like obstacle detection. You know, whether it be in front of you or beside you or behind you, there would be other things that would handle the, um, you know, global path planning. And all the, the lower level systems could just do their job as well as possible.
0: Hmm. Well, uh, what uh, what is your thoughts on, yep. uh, you said you have a Tesla. Um, I don't know if you're in the beta for the FSD, um, but what's your thoughts on that?
1: So I, I I don't, I didn't buy the FSD. I just have the, whatever the version is before that. Um, So on interstate highways, you know, controlled access interstate highways, I think the system works comparably to what we did back in, in 97, 98. Um, You know, it, it, probably isn't quite as smooth as what we did, but it it doesn't seem to perform any worse in those cases. Um, My observation has been that as you ask the system to do more difficult things, even things like changing lanes or, you know, moving in and out of traffic, uh, taking exit ramps, you know, my comfort level and its performance goes down. Uh, and then, as you move to using it on like uh, rural roads, state highways, you know, kind of like between the highway and my, where my house is, you need to be 100% attentive all the time because I just don't think it's 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 up to snuff yet for a non a non uh, engaged driver. Um, my suspicion is that for you know, and this is I've never seen it in action, but I would suspect full self driving you're going to need to be engaged, you know, for quite a while yet before there's a level of comfort that you can, you know, do other things. Uh, You know, no doubt what they are doing is incredibly impressive. It's probably the best in the world. Um, the, The biggest issue like anything else is there's, there's zero chance they've encountered every possible situation these cars are going to encounter. And, you know, until that happens or until we get a long way towards that, there's going to be new situations where the, the vehicle's performance and the vehicle, what the vehicle does is going to be a little bit unknown, um, you know, particularly with neural network systems, because you can't really know how they will respond to situations they haven't been trained on. Uh, so exactly. for me and for the people you know, that I tell, I say, look, I love these systems. I have one. I would be 100% attentive, though, anytime you get behind the wheel in any situation besides on an interstate highway.
0: So I think they were trying to say that um, they they have the uh, logs that are being stored up into the cloud on the driving. And so there's kind of like this collective knowledge that's being gathered from all the cars that are out there that are driving so then they know about uh, different roads, things that might be in the road from other driving uh, drivers, and uh, if there's accidents, they try to you know do the forensics on it and learn from it, and then do their software updates. Yeah. but again, I mean, your one thing that your system had that that theirs does, didn't have, that it had the ability to learn uh, from on new new conditions, and I think that that is uh, still a, a major advantage. That uh, there's a the difference between uh, the '97 system route system, and and maybe even the modern self-driving Yeah,
1: so, I mean, I I don't know exactly how Tesla and others do it, but in 97, I mean, we built in kind of general knowledge of roads. I mean, roads have, they're, they're linear, right? They go in the direction of travel. There's features on the road that generally tell humans where to drive. So we built, you know, we built, algorithmic parts into the system to take advantage of that domain knowledge. Uh, So, yes, while the system could adapt, it always had that baseline to fall back on. Uh, And, you know, I would hope that, you know, any of these companies are also using that same domain knowledge to help guide the learning systems or guide the neural networks or guide whatever they have um, to be, you know, it'd be foolish not to. Let's put it that way.
0: What were, so, what were you said that you uh, had a couple built some companies? What uh, um, did you are you in academics still teaching at uh, Carnegie Mellon or are you, uh, you know, building your own companies and and trying to find a market? So dense? that's a that's a
1: very interesting question and uh, good question. So we left CMU in 1999 to commercialize the lane tracking technology as a drowsy driver warning system for heavy trucks. It's basically alert sleepy truck drivers before they drifted out of their lane and had an accident. Um, so we started that and then kind of simultaneously in 2001, we started a company that did mili- software for military robotics. We basically created software that enabled, that made military robots smart, let them you know navigate by themselves. Um, we sold the first company, the you know lane departure warning system company, in 2006, and we sold the second company, uh, the military robotics company, in 2007. Uh, I had to stick around for two years, and then in 2009 um, I left. And since then, I've been doing a little bit of consulting, but mostly uh, I'm a high school football coach. So that's what I do with my time now.
0: Wow. That's like, I wasn't expecting yeah,
1: it. Yeah, it's been pretty cool. In fact, uh, one of the first kids I coached in high school made his NFL debut last night for the Dallas Cowboys as their quarterback.
0: Well,
1: that's yeah, it was very, it was surreal. He didn't do so well, but it was surreal seeing him play. Wow. Um,
0: well, our time's uh, up but uh, I've really enjoyed this conversation. And I think that a lot of people that will listen to this uh, are going to have some thoughts they they need to consider, especially in terms of of where the research um, was and where it's going. And do you kind of feel like what's going to be needed is uh, instead of very narrow AI, they're going to need to move to more of a generalized AI to accomplish what you accomplished in 90s? Well,
1: you know, I think that's a tough question. I think that if you're going to do self-driving cars, you need software that that's what it does. It drives the car, uh, you know, and, and there is definitely specialization you're going to need. And, it, and to that end, building in constraints and domain knowledge is important. Now, having said that, you know if you want human level performance and human level characteristics of a self-driving car you have to have kind of human level generalization capabilities how to handle emergency situations you know what do you do if you know you come to a new situation all that kind of stuff so you know i think that all these companies and researchers have made great progress um you know probably In the next five years, we're going to see kind of exponentially increasing progress. Um, I I hope that all these companies, you know, take into account, you know, the feedback to, to make their system, you know, generalizably safe. Let's put it that way, where it's smart enough to know when it doesn't know what it's doing and either alert the driver or stop something. And you know what? I think these companies have people's best interests in mind. I don't think they're malicious. I think they'll do all those things to try and keep people as safe as possible.
0: Well, it's like Rodney Brooks said that they'll, a robot has to be super safe. It's got to be very reliable or no one it won't be used in the marketplace, even though there are many cases where robots have injured individuals. Um, and so, you know, with his Heartland... Project. He's making robots that are aware of human yep. beings around them, so they don't get crushed by him because it Because yeah, them absolutely.
1: You know, and and you know these cars. My Tesla is a four thousand five hundred pound robot that can go one hundred and fifty miles an hour. So they're you know potentially very dangerous. You know, I yeah. think Musk and the others realize that, and they're going to do. They're going to walk a line that some people will agree with, and others won't on how to get the technology in the marketplace as safely as and efficiently as possible.
0: I just had one last question on, as you, you kind of mentioned uh, a, a career change. Uh, did you decide you that technology was anti-human or something and decided not to continue in it? Or what was your your reasoning for such a um, it, was, it was really, really
1: simple. I mean, my kids were young then and I'm like, you can always make more money if you can't get more time. So that's why I quit spend time with my okay, my good. kids. Um, my at that point, my youngest was five. He graduates from high school this year and you know I wouldn't change not working much for the past 13 years for anything. you know it was it was a very selfish decision. I wanted to spend time with them um more than any global thoughts on where technology was heading
0: well it's interesting because you're definitely a, a leading mind in this area and influenced a lot of uh phd candidates probably moving forward and then their work uh either publishing or building their own companies so you know my hat's off to you there and uh I also think it's really great, you know, because uh, I just had my, had a birthday celebration with my grandkids and uh, uh, it was fun. We, re- we, we did a reenactment of Disneyland. Cause that's where I served a LDS mission is in yep. basically Disneyland. So I, uh, I, we, we did a, a kind of a reenactment of that and it was just a great time. And I was thinking it, it's a, all this time went by and I had to talk to my wife about how, um, you know, that I wish kind of like I had more time to have done things. And she reminded me that I did quite a few things with the kids. Uh, but now when we have grandkids, I'm trying to, you know, make sure that they have good experiences Absolutely. Too.
1: Keep doing that, man. It's better than any of the other stuff, in my opinion.
0: Cool. Well, thanks, Todd. And uh, uh, I'll definitely put a link to your uh, articles on the self-driving car from the 90, uh, I can't remember the start year. What year was it? Yep. 95 is No
1: Hands Across America and 97 is the automated highway system.
0: Okay. Thanks a lot, Todd. Okay,
1: David. Thank you. Have a great day.